1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified
0: integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time.
1: It takes courage to share these journeys. And by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want
0: to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our
1: courageous wellness. This episode is sponsored by milk and honey. Milk and honey is a line of non-toxic, effective and safe bath body and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand that offers a wide variety of non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products that will make you feel nourished inside and out. And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most beautiful spa that just opened. I recently had a massage at their brand new Brentwood Los Angeles location, and I really recommend it. We are so happy that milk and honey spas are now in LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and lots more at their beautiful new space. Yes. I am about to
0: book a treatment too, and I can't wait to check it out. I'm just so happy to have a spa that I can fully trust in our area now. And for all of our listeners, their online boutique offers products from the Milk and Honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Coola Sun Care, and more. Some of our favorite products include Milk and Honey's baking soda-free, aluminum-free deodorant, and lavender tea tree, which I have been exclusively using for years. And I also love Milk and Honey's gel cleanser and Osea's body oil and vagus nerve oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. If you want to try milk and honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST one word at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes.
1: Hi everyone! Welcome to Courageous Wellness. It's the first episode of the year. How exciting! Happy Happy
0: New Year! We hope everyone had a wonderful, a wonderful celebratory end of twenty twenty one, and feel you know the excitement towards twenty twenty two. I love a new year. I always feel like it's a nice energy, right? And I think after the last two years we've had, um, I'm hopeful for 2022 to bring some much needed, you know, positive energy, some (laughs) shifts, some, some good shifts. I'm,
1: I'm excited. I'm, I'm feeling hopeful about 2022. And this just, Sounds kind of funny. But just as a disclaimer, we are recording this a little bit of ahead of time, um, <laughs> this intro, because uh we are giving ourselves a little bit of a a break through the holidays into the new year. So um we have no idea. We can't see into the future. We have no idea what the current world events are, but um I do second that that as of wherever right now. we're at, as of right now, wherever we at, um, we are wishing everybody a um a really, really wonderful 2022. And, um, you know, I think Erica and I are also taking some time away to just reflect on our own year and, and really see what, what we want to be intentional with and how we want to spend our energy both for ourselves and for the, for the collective, the podcast and, and our company, um, for yeah. 2022.
0: I'm not, I don't love the verbiage or the language of like new year's resolutions. Like that yeah. doesn't, feel authentic to me but I do like the idea of intention setting. I think a new year is a time I feel like birthdays are like that too, but just a time to reflect and and get intentional about you know how I want to see my life evolve um, in yeah. the next 12 months and yeah just be kind and soft to myself. I know actually one phrase that keeps coming, to mind for 2022 is to live in joy. That's something Mm -hmm. I've been really, um, like a phrase for the year is just to like live, live in joy. And, um,
1: I have a friend who always does that. She always texts, you know, our little group of friends and she'll say, What's your word for this year? Mm-hmm. And she asks everybody to pick a word. And I think that's kind of cool. I think like I think a word, my word or- a phrase. Yeah. I
0: think it's joy, living in oh, joy, okay. but um I know you and I are going to get clear on on our goals and, you know, like personally, professionally, all of that good stuff, but um we also have a really awesome month of January planned for you. This episode with Aliyah is amazing and incredible. We saved it to be the first episode of the year because it was so juicy and so good. And she's such a light. So we hope you enjoy this one. And for the rest of the month, we're going to be covering topics from the celebration of movement to human design and gut health. And, yeah. um, we just, we have a lot of really great guests coming for you these next couple of months. So stay tuned and, and get excited. Cause we certainly, we certainly are. And I, I can't wait to re-listen and like gain. These were these kinds of episodes where I was like taking notes while we were recording Allie, where I was like, Oh, I need to remember what everyone is saying and like, hold this in my heart. So I hope you guys feel the same way.
1: Sounds good. Well, since we have such a great episode today, let's get to it.
0: Let's get to it. So today on the podcast, we sit down with Aaliyah Lovely. Aaliyah is an energy reader, spiritual teacher, and the creator and host of the Spiritual Shit Podcast, which has topped the charts, gaining a number one spot on iTunes spirituality in America. Growing up super religious, she found that a large part of her life didn't align with her own identity because as a child, she was having a host of spiritual experiences. She couldn't explain that made her feel ashamed of her sensitivities, seeing ghosts, hearing ancestors, prophetic dreams, and her clear sentient experiences fell on deaf ears were met with weird looks or
1: were criticized for their absurdity. Aaliyah felt she had to hide the biggest part of herself for most of her life until a major move to New York city and an overdue divorce forced her to awaken back to herself and reclaim her purpose. She knew that it was time for her to claim her whole self again. And since then she's helped thousands of people awaken back to their true selves through energy coaching, card readings, workshops, and her podcast. We have a really beautiful conversation on her personal journey, her empowering work, and lots more today. So we really hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did recording it.
0: Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first quarter at Sakara with code XOCourageous. We have been big fans of the company for years, and the Sakara Life Organic Meal Delivery Program is based on a whole food, plant-rich diet that includes fresh, nutrient-dense, and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep
1: they also have a clean boutique which offers delicious food forward bars snacks beauty water drops and my personal favorite metabolism super powder which works to fire up your metabolism stabilize blood sugar eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness the naturally rich low sugar dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk I also regularly use the Sakara cookbook, full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XOCourageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. Now, onto the episode.
0: This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access, accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet
1: your personal goals. For 8 dollars a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store pantry staples and much more included you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars recipes and special guest content too with this subscription you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month
0: to learn more and become a patron visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness or check out our show notes we look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Erica and I are very excited for this conversation and looking forward to learning all about you and your work. So just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and then how that sort of
2: has led to the work and the space that you're now in? Hmm, Thank you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, My name is Aliyah, and I am the host of Spiritual Shit podcast. And, um, my journey started, uh, from, a, you know, very early age, starting to understand that I had some kind of intuitive gifts of sorts. Um, I was able to see ghosts and talk to people from the other side. I had prophetic dreams and things that I was like. Yeah, everybody has this. I thought it was something that was kind of normal, and my parents never really said anything about it. Um, You know, like in passing, I'd be like, "Oh, I saw my guardian angel," they'd be like, "Mm, "Okay, sure." Um, But I was also I also grew up very religious, and so in that within that religion, a lot of the things that I was seeing and or having tangles with essentially didn't fit very well within the Christianity box. Like, you know, the people that I was seeing and talking to that were telling me that you know, I had this life with you and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it was like, oh, like it doesn't match the theology essentially. So I felt like there was a lot of things I couldn't say uh, about the experiences that I was having. And so when I was 10 years old, um, I had a very scary experience, very much like uh, the movie, The Sixth Sense, where you start seeing people hanging over your bed and like really weird instances. And um, in that exchange, um, it was it was kind of, it was so frightening to have this type of experience and for it to, to feel so alone, like nobody understands, nobody believes me, you know, whatever. So to the point, then my dad pulls me aside and says, Oh, I know what these are. I see them too. And I was like, you see who too?" <laughs> and so upon uh, understanding that he also has these gifts, I found out that my grandmother has these gifts, um, but this is something that they don't talk about in our family. And so this was something that was seen as it wasn't good to have and, and something that you don't really talk about. And so uh, I went till about 16, not really like uh, engaging with a lot of my spiritual gifts. And uh, when my grandfather passed, he came and visited me in, dream, in a dream, also with my father, the same dream and me telling my dad, giving my dad a message through that dream. And um, when I woke my dad up and I said, hey, I had a dream about grandpa. And he's like, what did he say? You know, he j- jumped out of bed. And I was said he said, and before I could finish it, he said, Yachty said, hi, he used to call him Yadi instead of daddy. And that was like a like thing. So um, he said in his dream, he was like, uh, grandpa came to me and told me that he would come to you in the dream to tell you this message. So you would know that it was me visiting you and that it wasn't just a dream. And so upon that happening, really freaked me out. I was like, this is super weird. And I don't, I don't want anything to do with this, you know? Um, And then, you know, fast forward, my grandmother dies and she comes and visits me in dreams. And she starts telling me lots of stuff to tell my mom and, and it just kept happening. And so to that point, um, I was uh, at the time married to someone who was incredibly toxic and um, a narcissist, I would say a textbook narcissist. And I was in this place where I was really needing to figure out like who I am. What is it that I believe? who, who do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be in this world? And I felt like in all areas of my life, whether it was religion, whether it was my parents, whether it was my husband, you know, society, that there was always this person I was supposed to be for everybody else. And I was like, I'm fucking tired of this. Sorry. I don't know if you can cuss on this show. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of feeling like I can't be myself. And so um, through all the abuse and all the gaslighting and like all that other stuff, Um, It was a move to New York with that particular person that then I started to find my own people and I start telling people, yeah, like I have these weird dreams. And then it was one, one person would show up and say, oh yeah, I know about those dreams. Actually, you're probably a medium and you're probably this. And that led to me meeting another person and then meeting another person. And then, and then having a community of people where they were all like, you're not crazy. Like these are, these are very real things. And I started to find mentors or whatever. And And it gave me the courage to, to leave the marriage. Um, and leave that position and saying, you know what, I think I deserve better than this. And I want to be with people that understand me or that love me for who I am. And I, I, I can be my full self, you know? And then I went on this, this crazy journey where I dated like crazy. And I was like, I call it my whole phase where I just went through and was just like, you know, anybody who, who, who do you want to get me you know Like, <laughs> Um, trying to discover who I was. And and I had to work through a lot of trauma and a lot of wounding through that process. But also through that process, I started to discover all of these childhood wounds and all the shadow work and all these areas of self-worth that I was really struggling with all at the same time that I was starting to develop my spirituality. And it was as a result of me opening door after door after door and each level of spirituality that I started to get deeper and darker, and you know, like, um, secrets and things that I, I was still unveiling. Um, so I came to this point where, um, you know, I had, um, essentially was getting ready to take a huge move to Paris. And, um, I had known that like, I was supposed to go there and I was supposed to, have, we had all the details. It was supposed to be a lock. And at the last minute they rejected my visa. And so I was homeless. I had sold all my stuff. I didn't have really anywhere to go. And I had to return back to Kansas city where I'm from to a place where I could never be my full self. And I was having all this, you know, kind of energy around like feeling like, oh no, I'm going to go back to this place where I'm going to have to be small and I'm going to be the token black girl again. And I'm going to have, you know, be always feeling outside and not feeling like the belonging that I had been searching for. And uh, I remember very strongly that a spirit guide came to me and said, what are you running from? And, and it hitting me and I'm like, I'm not running from anything, you know, like just pouty and like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And me having to come back home to face a lot of the pain and the trauma and the parents and the religion and, you know, all of those things where, I, where the Genesis had started and being able to find in this space that I could claim myself again. So upon that happening, uh, I created spiritual shit podcast. Cause I was like, I really just want to find my people. want to find my community. I want to make sure that other people out there who have gifts or have connections or want to know more about this stuff, um, have a place to go. And, uh, yeah. And then COVID hit. And so, um, I was getting ready to leave again. I was on my way. I went to Bali for a few months and then I was on my way to France and I was supposed to do this round the world trip. Um, you know, trying to again, find myself and they were like, stop, wait, (laughs) You're going to find yourself in your apartment alone. So that's something you're going to do instead. And uh, the short version of this part of the story is that um, me, me getting very intimately aware of what was blocking me, me connecting to my spirit, me connecting to my authentic self, me getting through the throes of some of the deeper things that we always kind of suppress within ourselves, me facing those monsters end up leading to the best year of my life, where in short, I met uh, my dream partner. And I say dream partner. Cause I had a dream about him before I met him. And then, uh, we met and we, uh, I got pregnant when I was told most of my life, I wouldn't be able to have a child. And, and she's amazing about a house on card reading money. Cause I do card readings. And they were like, my loan officer is like, what do you do? <laughs> this is not a credible job. Um, all that to say, I end up becoming exactly who I knew I was meant to become, And in that space of being able to really open up and get past that cocoon and spread my wings, it was the most freeing position to be in, to finally own who I was. And that's how I got here today. (laughs) Wow.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey. And gosh, there's so much that, um, I'm excited to talk to you about and unpack today. Um, but first i'll just start with like top of mind first i think you know it's so interesting because we've done a few episodes now with about spirituality in terms of mediumship and people who have these these gifts and um through talking to so many people after the conversations or the response so many people have gifts that mm-hmm. i think scare them or, yeah. or they had the gifts as a child and turned it off and mm-hmm they don't explore that side of themselves anymore. Um, and I think beyond just the spiritual part, so many people grow up in homes or religions or families where they're not able to express their full authentic self, right. Or something is shut down. So I guess my question is how did you start to heal that? Right. Where Mm -hmm you were able then, I mean, now this is like your career and your job and you're this home, you know, like North star for so many people who have these gifts or who want to explore this side of themselves. But how did you start to do the healing, especially like you said, like at home, right? Like with Mm -hmm. your family, with the childhood, with the shadow work, what did that healing part look like so that you could now live in this full, true, authentic space?
2: Yeah. Um, this is a great question. And, um, the, the biggest part of it, I think like when I moved to New York, what was really cool about living in New York is that New York is an incredibly diverse space where, you know, you can walk down the street and see a guy rolling down, like rollerblading in a thong and, and nobody is, you know, like the wiser, (laughs) nobody cares um, and, and it was such a space where even like people would try their hardest to stand out and, and be whoever as different as they could be. And there in that, I found a freedom that like, okay, I'm, I'm not the, the odd man out here, you know, like I found my belonging when I was there and that, that for me was really healing. Not everybody and moved to New York is not for everybody, but when I came back home and I understood, okay, I'm going to be back in a place that's most, mostly all white. Um, which was hard for me. We were trying to do, like talk about diversity and stuff. I I never had the luxury of being able to fit in growing up anyway. So coming back to a home where it was like, okay, oddly, I I fit in really well in New York, (laughs) which is where most people feel they would stand out. And coming back home to the space, I said, "Hmm, okay, well, I, I can't afford any longer to live in a space where I'm trying to keep myself small. I got to do two years somewhere else where I was able to be exactly who I was. So vibrationally, it just didn't match for me anymore. And so when I would come into the home and talk to my parents, you know, and they, oh, when Jesus, blah, 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 Not no offense to anybody who believes that. But for those that, that didn't align with my beliefs, I had, I started to go, you know what? That doesn't really match with me. I'm not really necessarily afraid to tell you this is not what I think. It's not, It's fine if you think that, but that's not what I think anymore. And not being afraid of some kind of, you know, repercussions of being like, you know, reprimanded. I'm like, I'm. 30 years old. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. Um, but also then coming back to friend groups and seeing that that I I am not the same person anymore. And I don't fit in a line with these people anymore. And I don't have the same connections with some of these people anymore. And that being while painful and sad, me being like, okay, that means I need to find new people. And that in the healing process was starting to step outside of what belonging. I thought looked like before and found authentic belonging. There was a difference between belonging and fitting in. And I was like, I don't want to fit in anymore. And I don't, I don't care to have someone give me their little check of approval because who gives a fuck? Cause at the end of the day, like this is my soul and this is my earth school. And if I am doing the bare minimum by trying to fit in and being afraid of what everyone thinks, then I'm not living my truth and I'm not living my purpose, which means that I got to come back to this ghetto earth in the next life and finish what I started. So there was a a more spiritual kind of inclination there for me. That was like, uh, I want to make sure that I don't miss out on what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and you asked about the healing portion of it. I would say that like, first it was a mission that came first and in that mission, there was like, I, I, I almost had this like sense of like, I can't afford regardless of how hurt I am to, to bypass what it is that I'm actually here to do. So through that, in my purpose, when I started to really dig in and like, you know, we all have some bumps and scrapes along the way, but in that process, I started to feel the, what I would say the, the healing process when it came, sorry, the way it came up was I started to feel like me. And when you start to feel like yourself, when you start to, to hone in onto your authentic self, it is like cocoa butter <laughs> to a scrape, you know? Like you start feeling like, ah, oh, I can breathe. I'm not so tense anymore. Like, I don't have so many of these, these fears anymore about what, what people think and what people, you know? Like, it, it doesn't matter. And and that to me was the, the most healing is that I came to this anchoring of like, you know what, it feels better to be myself than to be anybody else. So, so at, at that point, there was no choice. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, you know, it's interesting. And this
1: story of yours that you've shared with us, it shows your, um, I, well, first of all, I'm just going to say, I love the term earth school. I recently heard someone use that. And I was like, sure. yeah, that, that like makes so much sense. Cause we're here to learn and to grow. Should we allow ourselves to do that as you were saying? And, and so I was going to say your story really is um, this like arc of allowing yourself to evolve, like right. allowing that growth. And right. sometimes based on, as you were saying, preconceived notions, other people's expectations, our perception of other people's expectations, that can be a hindrance to Mm -hmm. the growth. And what's so interesting too, is is you hear like the growth back to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the cool thing. It's like, it's not even out there, but it's in here. And sometimes those are the deepest, hardest places to dive into because Uh the depth is infinite sometimes. And, you know, Erica and I actually, Erica and I met through our own spiritual practice, which is um, a form of Buddhism that we practice uh, together. But, but a lot of what you're saying conceptually really aligns with that, which is the idea is that we don't need to seek outside of ourselves, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to learn how to do that when there's so much else and so much noise um, going on. And, but then it's like, once you kind of tap into that, you realize like, oh, that's, That's the purpose. And -hmm. in doing that, you mentioned having a mission Mm -hmm. and I'm curious, you know, I think sometimes I see, or we talk to people, um, either listeners of the show or, or, friends who share that they get confused or are unsure of what their purpose is here or that type of thing. And when you shared about, I had a mission. How did that come really clearly to you? How Mm -hmm. did you know that that was something, even if it wasn't what you thought you wanted, like going to France, Mm -hmm. how did you know that was something that you
2: had to dive into and like have
1: the courage to face? So
2: I love this question because, um, the way that it, it came to me and the way that it comes to a lot of my clients, um, we tend to very early know what we've come in to do. And those of us who are sorting through our trauma and sorting through the things that we need to do or whatever, we tend to very much be afraid of this purpose. Um, it's something that we, we often feel calling us in one way or another. We're unsure about how it's meant to process or progress. And in some capacity or another, I've always known that I'm sup- I'm supposed to be in front of people like a performer or some, something along those lines. Now I hate that idea because I, I hate the idea of being like someone who, who wants to be in front of a lot of people. Like it's fine for other people, but like, for me, I'm like, eh, I don't want to be someone who's you know seen or can be critiqued or judged or, you know, whatever I'd like to be, stay behind the, the sidelines. So um, my first career uh, is, was been a photographer. I've been a photographer for 20 years. Okay. Uh, shot weddings and stuff like that. And I started to get a lot of notoriety and started traveling around the world and getting covers of magazines and published in a whole bit. And while all that success was happening, I was always feeling like there was something else. So let's be doing something else. I'm really great at this, but maybe I'm a fashion designer. So I started a fashion line. Maybe I'm a bag designer, you know, so I started that. Um, Maybe I'm a writer. I wrote two books, like maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. So I, I started to try all these different things and, and nothing quite centered, but what I saw over time, and this is hindsight now, but like what I saw over time is that I've always been someone that people come to for essentially intuitive guidance. I've always been a mentor, a teacher of sorts to people, even my, uh, what is it called? The Myers-Briggs ENFJ teacher shows up in that one, um, in my human design, you know, like, and so all those things. So anyway, I was reading this book, uh, called gene keys, like gene, like DNA keys, like lock. (laughs) And so, um, I was reading this book and according to it, it's like they use your astrology for, um, you know, finding your, your life's path, essentially what this life you came in to do. And so I was reading that book about three or four years ago. And as I'm going through it, the first chapter in your mission purpose, it shows up and it sounds like very, like, I mean, this is not how everybody's going to find their mission, but uh, it came up and it said something about um, the language of light. And they talked and said, you are someone who's come in with a frequency that your voice will be able to activate people in a way to help them with their spirituality, help them with their ascension, help them with this, that, and the other. And I was like, pfft. Okay, sure. I don't know. Like, what does that mean? Like be an actor or something? Like, I don't want to give speeches, you know, in front of people. I'm terrified of public speaking. And, and I just kind of like, you know, nulled it off again, the book comes up again. I went back and read it and it says even more so something I didn't see the last time that, that the frequency of your voice, the vibration of your voice has the activation and ability to heal others. And I'm again going. I'm just completely oblivious. Right. So I come, I go to this trip in Colorado, Crested Butte, Colorado, go with some friends who are super spiritual. And we're having all these really spiritual alien experiences or something like that. We were not using any drugs. Like it was just all this stuff that ended up happening around this, these particular people. And uh, when I came back home, I, I heard out loud, you need to start a podcast. And I was like, everybody's got a fucking podcast. Like who, like, what am I going to say that like, it's already out there? And I don't actually like listening to podcasts. So it wasn't in my wheelhouse to even know what a podcast looked like, what's the structure, anything like that. And then I heard very loudly spiritual shit. And so, you know, I was like, that name sounds like me. So that's right. (laughs) Um, But there was just this, this moment of feeling so strongly, like, this is something I'm supposed to do. I don't know why. And I don't know what it's supposed to mean. I don't know what, I don't have an outcome attached to it. I don't have money attached to it or, you know, I just, I felt very strongly, this is something I'm supposed to do. And so I started the podcast and, you know, like the first seven episodes or whatever had maybe seven ten plays or something like that. And then um, when I went to Bali and I was going through all these downloads and loads and loads of information coming to me, I believe because there's these vortices there that are insane. All of this information was coming through me. And I've always mo- known myself to kind of be a channel. I'd already been on my spiritual journey for a while. Anytime I would automatic write, things would just come through me. And so I was like, hmm, okay, this is what's different. Like if I'm sitting down to give a message, what does it look like to make my intention to be for the collective? What does it look like to meet my intention to like, Hey, spirit, if you have something that you need to communicate to a lot of people, what does that look like for me to be the voice of that? And, and I, I acted in obedience to that voice and it was what, like a month and a half into that. Then it was like 5,000 listens, 10,000 listens, 500,000 listens just took off like insane. And then I have all these people coming to me being like, Oh my God, this is what I need. And I've known you in another life and all this stuff. And I, I don't know how to receive it because I'm like, this, there was nothing in my wheelhouse that said this was, I was what I was supposed to do. And so for a lot of people, some people like, they know from the, the Genesis they're born, I'm supposed to be a veterinarian. And that is my purpose um, for me. I didn't have it that clear. And so it was upon, I guess, the activation and and being obedient to my practices and to my healing. And I say obedient, not in like a religious kind of way, but I'm saying, I'm listening to this and going, even without a lot of reasoning around it, I, I still had the curiosity to, to play with that and open that in one way or another. And so it became very, very clear to me that the thing that I've been doing my whole life, um, whether I show up to a wedding, like I I know things about people, I'm able to anticipate their, their emotions. I knew, okay, the bride is about to cry, get over there. You know, like there would be weird stuff like that, where it made me a, a great photographer because like feeling wise, I could feel what other people were feeling so strongly. And I was able to encourage them in moments where they felt nervous or scared, or they were having a you know, bicker with their sister or someone needed a hug. And in that same way, I think that that has transpired into like this, this podcast, which like, I don't think that's the ultimate mission, but I'm starting to still come upon stepstone into the position I'm supposed to be in. So your mission can be, uh, you know, everybody's like, what's my purpose or what I'm supposed to do. And they always orient that towards a career. Or, you know, towards a, pa- a thing of some sort that's supposed to make the money. And I'm, I really don't think that that's the case. I think very much so. Your mission, your purpose is, is, is to figure out who you are. Yeah. Figure out what you love, what you want to do, ho- who you want to be. And out of that, to me, is born then the career, the passion, the love.
0: We want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about today's sponsor, Ned. If you have listened to this podcast, then you know, I struggle with anxiety and the holiday season can always bring up extra stress between holiday shopping, social anxiety, and family pressure. It can be a lot. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is USDA certified organic extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. And I use these products daily to support my anxiety. And it has been so unbelievably helpful this holiday season. I take CBD every single day and it's been a game changer
1: yes and these products are science-backed nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs right now we are both really enjoying ned's brand new product which has been in development for over a year the de-stress blend this one-on-one formula of cbd and cbg is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and Check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health, a key player in your mental health, and cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Ned's quality also speaks for itself. Ned's products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who's been a two-time guest on Courageous Wellness. If you wanna try the new de-stress blend from Ned,
0: a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. For the holidays, Courageous Wellness listeners get 20% off Ned products with code CWpodcast. And when you spend more than $150, Ned is throwing in free gifts with every order. So visit helloned.com slash CWpodcast to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 20% off plus free gifts with orders over $150 and 20% off all Ned products with code CW podcast. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Ali and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary
1: health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, Go to seed.com and use courageous 15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram.
0: That's incredible. And, and as Ali mentioned, we met through our Buddhist practice. We both practice Buddhism. I grew up, my parents have been practicing Buddhism for 40 years. So I grew oh, up wow. in a Buddhist home. And um, it's so interesting because that concept of mission that you're talking about, like in Buddhism, right? Everybody is born with a mission that mm-hmm. only they can fulfill. We literally would not have been born if um we didn't have a mission in this world. And of course it manifests, right. In different ways, like through, through different things that we all do, but at our core, right. Like our mission in life, like the core, at least the way I understand it is to like, be absolutely happy and help other people become happy too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's the core. And it just kind of manifests and comes out in different ways. But, um, I love okay. So I'm also an ENFJ.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel
0: very connected to you. What is
2: your human design? And can I ask your astrology too? Yeah. Just, I'm a, a Cancer Sun, I'm a Aries moon and a Scorpio rising. Very intense. Um, and then uh I'm a manifesting generator.
0: Wow. Okay, that's very cool. Ali's a triple Aries and um I'm, which is
1: Ooh, I intense. when I uh, found that out, just like funny side note, I found that out it was like sun, moon rising was Aries. And I just started apologizing to people. It's like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It makes a lot of sense now. Uh, <laughs> I'm also a generator, not a manifesting generator. A generator. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I, am. Um, I'm a projector, but I'm a Libra sun, Aquarius moon, Capricorn rising. But I always, if it comes to me, I ask it because whenever I do listen to podcasts, I'm always like, I wonder. So for any of the (laughs) listeners who also wonder, um, that question was for all of us, but Mm -hmm. thank you for answering that. You know, I think something to that I find really incredible that you do right through your podcast and through your work is this concept of accessibility in spirituality, right? Like making spirituality accessible. And as I mentioned, that's not something, it's not that I was, um, naive to that, but again, I grew up in a Buddhist home. And so spirituality was just always there. And my, yeah. my mom is very spiritual and into different, different spaces. Um, but the older I got, of course, and the more I met people and especially coming from different religious backgrounds. I've met so many people who are so afraid beyond just financial accessibility and spirituality, but the fear component of, I don't want to see these things. I don't want to tap into these things. My religion, as you had mentioned in the beginning, tells me that this is bad. Like this is not good. So can you just talk about your mission with spiritual accessibility and what that means to you and how you kind of help people work through this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's two, two things that come to mind, um, accessibility in the sense of helping people understand, uh, spirituality is something that's tangible to the human experience in general. Um, it needs to be something tangible and it needs to be something we don't take so seriously um, in order for this to still be fun. Otherwise it just becomes religion. And, you know, like I've been there, that was no fun. Uh, so there's that. Then there's a diversity component because spirituality, new ageness, whatever has become synonymous with, um, you know, stolen yoga practices and, uh, essentially whitewashing of a lot of spiritual practices that come from Eastern and and traditions and so on. And so I know being a person of color, um, that a lot of, uh, my black friends and things like that, don't feel that that there are spaces that they can go into and feel comfortable uh, in those things. So they don't necessarily have access in that way. And so I I bring that up because I think that's important for people who are listening that a lot of times we don't feel comfortable practicing things that are probably from our origin (laughs) Um, because Christian religion, you know, whatever. Um, And it's fine if you're practicing Christianity, but our Western Christianity and the way that it's Um, Very rigid, doesn't allow the questioning, doesn't allow for practicing of other things, even though it's quite pagan. So there's that. Okay. Then the other side of things is that spirituality has become, you know, there's, it's, it's this way to do it. And this is, you know, like it's become very much, uh, you have to practice this way and this is how you meditate. And this is how you set up your altar. And this is how you talk to your spirit guides and through YouTube and influencers and like all that good stuff. There's a lot of information out there, but then there's also a lot of fear. And when you have a combination of information and fear, you get a lot of misinformation. And so when it comes to spirituality, for me, I've always been in the camp of this should be a flexible process that we start to explore ourselves. And it's wonderful to have community and people that we can discuss and and our, our desires, our content, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if it ever becomes a place where it's become rigid and you're supposed to, and this is how, and you know, whatever, then it's, it's gone out the window for me. And, and I feel what I've been trying to bring my audience is a place, a safe space for them to be able to discuss some of these things. So I have people on my show that talk about things that I don't believe in at all. And, and, and I, I'm just curious. I want to ask them questions. I want to know like what they think or whatever, because there could be someone in the audience who's like, oh, I have that experience. I know what that's like. Oh, that's super cool. I see aliens too, you know, pool. Great. Like I want people to be able to discuss things in an open platform format where it's accessible for them and it's digestible. So sometimes you get on other podcasts or the shows or whatever, where they start talking about ascension and awakening and all these like key terms. But like, if you're just coming to the table you don't know what the fuck that is. So then it's, it feels already like it's not something that you can experience. And, and I want to be able to make that digestible for other people. So that way they can start playing with it too, because if you can get it to the ground level and bring it to earth, <laughs> then, then it's something that people can also like other people who don't necessarily have that access can explore. A lot of people found my podcast because it's called spiritual shit. And so for simply because of the name, I have so many messages, people will say, I came to your podcast because of the name and they get on other, other, I'm not comparing myself or anything to other people. Cause that, there are, are, are people for everything. Right. Um, but they said like, oh, I felt like this would be something that, that wouldn't be so hoity toity. <laughs> wouldn't be super bougie. You know, wouldn't be like an area where I felt like I couldn't relate And so I feel like very much in my mission is to make it super relatable because spirituality should be for everyone. Spirituality, if you're a human on this earth and spirituality is for you (laughs) in one way or another, and it doesn't mean like, I mean, I came from being staunch Christian cult, like, you know, like very, very judgmental to then being an atheist where I didn't believe in anything because my whole foundation was rocked to then returning to a place where I said, okay, what does it mean and look like for me to start to explore the, the other realms of the universe. What does it mean to explore energy? What does it mean to explore meditation? What does it mean to explore Buddhism? What does it mean, you know, like starting to ask myself all of those questions and then finding a, a you know, little combo of what suits me and what fits for my lifetime and my incarnation? And 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 that feels good. And I feel everybody should be able to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's one thing that Erica and I really respond to also with you because we, we feel the same way about like quote unquote wellness and Mm -hmm. anything that that encompasses, like it doesn't, it shouldn't be elitist or whitewashed, which it is in in many, many ways, or, um, you know, like accessible and yes, from a financial standpoint, but also just from a like, am I welcome here? Is this for me? You know, and, and that nobody really, Otherwise it honestly, it just becomes something that someone's selling at the end of the day in very shiny, shiny, you know, it might not like be so obvious, but it's another thing to
2: buy, but we've moved past this guru generation. Yeah. It might've been our parents' generation and a little bit of ours where like people are looking for someone to lead them. And I think very much we're coming into new activation where it's like, you lead yourself here. This, yeah. is, a, yes. this is your own adventure. Okay. Yes. And so if that's the case then you needing to be in a position in a place of deciding what works for you. And I wanted to create a safe space for people to make that decision.
0: We, yeah. And just like what Ali said, we, we've talked about this on other episodes as well, but this concept of guruism, guruism, where people are sell, selling spirituality. And there's one thing, of course, to work with a coach or a teacher or whatever, yeah. but I mean, at the end of the day, exactly as you said, it's about you coming home to yourself and you don't need anybody like forever to do that. Right. Right. It's not like going up levels. And that's something I appreciate so much because even with the organization that we do practice our Buddhism with, it's completely free and it's always been free. And there were, I just remember like talking to people about that and people being so surprised that it was free. And, um, you know, honestly, there were parts in my childhood where my parents really struggled and we wouldn't have been able to afford our spirituality if Mm -hmm. it had cost money. And I just, yeah, I just a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with that. It's about coming home to yourself, not about external forces. I was going to say, and also
1: like something that we talk about is not needing an intermediary Yeah. So, and included in our organization, there's no temple allegiance or priests or monks or anything like that. It's a lay peace movement. And so it's like this idea that you need someone else, whatever your path might be like, you don't have to be a Buddhist. I'm just using it (laughs) as an example, but like whatever someone's path might be that you don't need someone else to be that connection to self or yeah. to God, if that's what you believe, whatever your, your higher self, whatever you want to define it as, but no one else has like a closer connection to that than you, right. you do. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, we just really appreciate that point of view and, and that you're doing it and you're creating that for people and um, creating you. that value. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's, it's needed. And um, I'm curious, do you have a, you had mentioned a practice, like at this point you've developed practices, a practice for yourself. Maybe that's grounding because when you go from such rigidity to having now more, you know, fluidity and openness and wanting it to be fun. And yet I find that sometimes it also takes hard work for me, at least to have a practice. Um, so is there anything, are there tools that you use, um, as a part of like creating structure for
2: your spiritual practice?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, so I'm, I'm working on the meditation thing. I'm always working on meditation because like meditation is good for everybody, but it's, it's not necessarily done the same way for everyone. Um, so I just bought a water rower (laughs) So that way I can meditate on it while I exercise because um, the sound of the, the water sounds like ocean waves. And since we have no coast here, which I'm super devastated about, um, you know, it'll, it'll give me some opportunity to, to, to do what feels good in my spirit for meditation. Um, but recently I've gotten really into altar work and um, honoring like my offerenda offering um making offerings to my ancestors and lighting candles and like the whole bit. Um, I was speaking with a Mayan Healer who had a lot of really great insight for me around a lot of my indigenous connections, my Native American connections. Um, I'm like uh, mixed with, you know, the slave trade and then uh, Native American. So lots of oppressed energies where I'm having to do some kind of uh, deeper soul work with my epigenetics. And so having to clear out some of that trauma and those pains. So I have my to my left here, (laughs) um, my offerenda, and I come in and light a candle every day. Um, I say a prayer, I sit with them. I talk with them. Um, uh, almost all of my grandparents have passed on and then other spirit guides or whatever. So I have little like trinkets and things that I <laughs> make offerings with. Um, and I found that practice funny enough. Like it's something that I never really identified with before. It's something my grandmother used to do. And I, she used to have little pictures of all the dead people in our family and whatnot. And I was always like, this is weird. You know, like she has it on her mantelpiece and she lights candles and stuff. But now I find myself doing the very same thing. But it's something that brings me connection to my ancestors. And it's something that like, when I sit down with them, it's like, okay, I've got my spirit team on the other side here, like making me their greatest dream. And like, like, what does that look like to have support from the other side? It helps me in my mediumistic practices because I'm trying to get more connected. I know I'm a medium. It's something that I have a lot of uh, imposter syndrome around. And so it comes in spurts when I'm super, super open. It's like. I can tell you what their name is, how old they were, what they died of or whatever. Um, When I am in that rigidity, like fear mode or afraid of what someone else is going to think, it's like, uh, I think it's a woman, you know, like it's like, it's really like strangled. Um, So my practice with my altar and making sure that that's something that I keep up gives me a nice ritual daily where I have a physical, very visual reminder of who I'm trying to connect with. And that's a good uh, practice that I like to keep right now.
0: I I love that. I'm so I'm so interested too in epigenetics and mm. and all of that that um yeah. That's that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And just to go um a little bit back into your story as well that um I would just love to touch on a little bit before we start to wrap up but you mentioned right your divorce and mm-hmm. and the courage to leave your marriage. And now you found this incredible partner and you have your baby. And I know um, in this past October, especially during retrograde season, there are so many people who went through um, ending of partnerships or Mm -hmm. just even transition in general. But I know so many people who have recently ended um, long-term partnerships. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk about the courage it took to leave a situation that you knew wasn't serving you, and kind of the journey into attracting and finding your your yeah. soul's partner, yeah.
2: How much time we got? Because this is a lo- a little bit of a story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm so interested. I, mean, I know we should have started with that, but um, I feel like so many people can relate to this right now and and always. I think it's such a human. It's part of our Earth school 100%, training, right? A
2: hundred percent. Um, well, what I'll say is, is that the partnership I ended up um, attracting at the time um, was very indicative of how I felt about myself. And so um, because I didn't care, uh, not that I didn't care, but I didn't feel like I deserved very much. I ended up pursuing this man, like, like to the end, making it so easy for him to say yes to me because I didn't believe that I would have another chance, that there would be another person that would come into my life, that I would have another love. Um, And so because I went through years and years and years of no dating, no interest, um, I was always the the black girl in a white room that no one chose. And it was just always the same thing over and over and over to find this person. Finally, someone who was interested in me, it was like, lock it down, you know, like, I'm not going to have another opportunity. And for people who are Narcissistic. <laughs> they love to see an empath who's like, oh, here, have this, take this. Then they're like, oh, yes, I'm a taker. I like this. This is great. So I end up in this relationship. And in this relationship, it, it I, I'll never talk shit about him because it gave me so many wonderful lessons about myself and what it is that it helped me level up, to be honest. Um, to, for me to call in something better. But when I got to the the point I knew within a year, like that we got, once we got married, this is not it. And I I need to get out of this, but it took another four years for me to leave. And the reason why it kept taking that long is because I kept telling myself, this is the bed that I made this. I made this agreement. I made this marriage. I made this commitment. This is something I have to stick with. Um, A lot of the judgment and fear, like what are my parents going to say, or what is so-and-so going to say, or I don't want to be divorced, whatever. And there were all of these external reasons why I, I shouldn't leave. But my internal marker of care, of love, of trust, of safety kept saying, get the fuck out of here. This is not where you need to be. And universe will give you something if you ask hard enough, right? Like I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And they're like, red, red flag, red flag, red flag. Stop, stop, stop. Okay. She's not going to stop. Here we go. Have it. Um, so it took me five years, you know, like I was we in a relationship for two before we got married and then five more years. And so, in that process, I felt pieces of myself like they were dying and like having to to become a bit of a shell of myself, all this fear that I had, like he hated when people complimented me. And like, and, and, and him not to be the star, they always came up and talked to you instead of me. And I'm like, they don't know you from Joe blow. Why should they come up and talk to you? They know me, you know, like things like that. He hated that. I, I had a lot of shine and a lot of star power, if you will. And so it kept me small and, and I, I'll never forget. And I'm going to tell this story because I think it's important to illustrate what I mean, but I was at a wedding, shooting a wedding with him. And there was a woman who came up to him who I know, and she goes, "Oh my God, hi, nice to meet you. I've never met you before." Blah blah blah. Oh my gosh, can't believe you're married to Ali. She's such a wonderful person, and she's so happy, and she's this and that. You're so lucky. And with this the sternest face, he said, "She's lucky to be married to me too." And and I, I'll just I'll never forget that that moment. Like it was a year before I left, and I was like, "Wow, like <sighs> this person isn't excited." Like if if I, if I were ever to be with someone, it would be someone who was like, "Oh, right," you know, like, "Oh, I love her. She's amazing. She's this, she's that, or whatever." Because that would that would be my response if I'm in this loving relationship, a caring relationship. So, um, I moved to New York. We had all the stuff or whatever. I finally get the courage to leave, and what I did was, is I told every single friend I could tell that I'm getting ready to end this, so I wouldn't lose my nerve because it already taken a couple of years through a few years for me to leave. Um, And so when I finally told him, I mean, the whole thing, it it blew up. It was crazy. Like, I won't even, I'll spare you that story. But when it, when it finally ended, there was such a relief, such a relief and a feeling of this weight that had just lifted from me. And from that, I then had to sort through all the wounding that had occurred during that relationship because I immediately, I went on a date the day he moved out. I was like, finally, you know, this is fun. I'm gonna have some sex. Um, so I, I decided to, to go down this pattern of like trying to discover who I was through the dating process. And what I didn't figure out and would have served me better is for me to allow myself to heal first and then decide who I wanted to spend my time with, not vie for everyone's attention to get validation and to fill up the wound that I was still, was, was glaringly apparent. So I would continue to then to attract people that were just like him. And I was like, Some- something's got to change. So I took a year off of dating. And I said, you know, forget this or whatever. I had to reevaluate what it meant to love myself, to uh, love the process, because it is a process, <laughs> um, and get to a point where I understood my value. And that that took a few years. Like there were so many tapes that I had to unrender um, for my father, you know, like, like just all the stuff that we accumulate through childhood, wherever, you know that. So then uh, to come to the point where then I finally do meet the, the person of my dreams. And um, it was after some significant two years, I would say two years surface of healing uh, and healing. And that seems it sounds so like nebulous, but like healing, like really looking and saying, okay, I really struggle with, um, you know, feeling like this this type of addiction, uh, validation addiction, affirmation addiction. I really struggle with feeling like an outsider and needing belonging. I'm really struggling with skin hunger, you know, not having enough affection. I'm really struggling with feeling, you know, whatever. And and putting names to those things and acknowledging those things and accepting those things and saying you're still worthy even if you struggle with these things. And, you know, cause spirituality very much so you can get kind of tangled in that and you have to heal and you have to this. And it's like, no, fuck, I know that. <laughs> I know I am some, this, this process, this, this canvas that is continuing to need strokes and revision and repainting. And sometimes you cover the whole thing over and start all over, you know, like this is the human experience. And it wasn't until I got to the place in space where I said, you know what? All of us are kind of fucked up. <laughs> All of us are working on our own personal lessons, and despite all the things that I'm still working on, or try, you know, challenging within myself and trying to heal within myself, regardless, because healing's not linear. You know, you don't heal one thing and then it's done. It comes back and refine, and then comes back and refine. You know, um, that I'm still worthy, and I'm still a value, and I'm still deserving of someone to love me the way that I I would love them. So when I was able to let go of the expectation when I was able to let go of the timeline, cause I have since a lot of us women, uh, you know, who want to have kids or whatever, that whole thing. It's like, you, you never know how fast things can change when you let go of it. And so I said, okay, I'm done. And it was like this weird pang in my tummy where I was like, okay, I'm actually going to let go of this. Like, this means I'm going to be single forever. You know, like it's just like, we, we, we get into our minds about if we're not holding on to something that we're not let you know, we're not going to let it in, but uh, I remember my spirit guy very much saying, like, how can we give you what it is we're trying to give you if you have your hands clenched shut on the things that you don't want anymore? And so I, I had to let go. And if, to me, it was a very visceral process. It was very much a like, OK, we are in COVID. There's really no dating <laughs> right now. Um, I tried, and I was like, "That's stupid." Um, and you know, I, I decided to get myself this apartment, a really cute apartment. I was like, "If I'm gonna be single, I'm gonna do it with style." <laughs> so I got myself a really nice apartment, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna deck it out. This is gonna be girly as hell. Like, just this is gonna be my space." And a month later, I meet David, and I'm like, "What happened to my bachelor pad?" <laughs> so there was a very much this process of like letting go you know, reassessing, there's a quote that's coming to mind. And uh, a friend said it to me, I'm kidding to know, I know what's best for my life. And that's a harsh thing. Some people are like, what do you mean? When we're trying to manifest, we have all these desires and things that we sign up for. But because we are human, we tend to create an ideal of something we've already experienced. And when spirit is trying to level you up and give you something new, your brain interprets that as bad. Like our ego, or like everything shows up and goes Ugh! like, let me keep you safe. This is not what we want, and so you have to kind of let go of your perceived notion or expectation of what you think is happening in your life. When spirit and universe, whatever is like, all trying to conspire to give you the best outcome, and it's only really within our own power sometimes what we end up holding on to things way too long, and they become detrimental to us. And we go, why, why is this thing happening to me? It's like. It's as if you, you know, you got, you're being dragged by a horse and carriage and you won't let go of the reins. You know, it's just like, sometimes you got to let whatever that thing go is so that we can welcome something different into your life. And a lot of times we are so scared because we would choose the devil that we know over the devil that we don't.
1: Yes. Thank you. And I know, I know we have listeners. I myself can relate to a lot of that, but I know we have listeners that either, you know, are dealing with being in that right now, like the double fisted, (laughs) you know, I want something different, but there's no, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think everybody faces that at some time. I do think you're right. I do think like, maybe it's a cultural thing, but I think women are conditioned to maybe do that even more. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And, but you're right. Like on the other side of that, sort of perception of control right, are sometimes the greatest gifts that we can't even imagine for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that story. I think it's going to help a lot of people. <laughs> and um, I can't believe we're like almost at wrap up time. I'm yeah. sure we could talk oh. to you forever and ever. What?
2: Yes. Sorry. I'm no, so sorry. Okay. So, the, the, the story that I told you about, um, my ex-husband being very stern about yeah. like this person coming up to him at, his, at a wedding. Sorry. I wanted to mention this, Which, I did a wedding with David, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Mexico, like he was just there, but I was, I was shooting the wedding and a woman comes up. It was almost the same scenario. A woman that I don't know very well, actually. Like I met her in the rehearsal dinner or something like that. One of the moms of the bride or groom, and she comes up to him and goes, "Oh my God, you're so lucky to be married to a woman like Leah. She's so amazing." And blah blah blah, blah. and all that fear surged up into my body, of like, "Oh no, oh no, don't do that." And he goes, "I know, right? I'm trying to play it cool." <laughs> And yeah. sorry. And I wanted to say that to illustrate that, like in, in a lot of our fears and a lot of those patterns and stuff that we hold on to, that we, we can actually have like the, the desires of our heart, the love that we want or whatever. We just, we have to be willing to let go of what we think yeah. is better. Okay. Sorry. Now that was it.
1: No, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad <laughs> you included. That. that was a perfect button. Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you for the conversation today. You know, we we just really appreciate you and the work yeah. that you do. And um, it was wonderful and enlightening. And uh Thanks. we always ask all of our guests three questions as we start to wrap up. So we're gonna start them with you. Um so what does your daily self-care look like? You hmm. have a lot of kind of like energetic stuff going on. You produce this podcast, you're a mama and a partner, and you know. How do you take care of yourself
2: on a daily basis? What does that look like for you? This is a great reminder during this particular time while I have a six month old. (laughs) Um, So self-care to me right now looks like time to breathe. Um, uh, It looks like asking for help and asking for support. Uh, I'm not really good at asking for help and I tend to do things all by myself. I like to do things by myself Um, and being able to, to, to allow someone to come in and and help me with things to not control everything is an act of self care for myself. Um, so, for instance, uh, like I have uh, two stepchildren and a new baby, and so there was one day I was with the kids all day or whatever, and, and my partner comes home and I was like, I'm done parenting today. <laughs> He's like, I got you, we got it, you know. So to ever, to be able to have a supportive partner is also all really key to that. But being able to ask for those things has been a big part of me learning more about what it means to actually give myself self-care. That's something that I actually really struggle with. Um, and also baths. Baths are wonderful. I love baths. And if I could bathe every day, I would. Uh, I do shower every day. So there's that. But <laughs> if I could take a physical bath every day, um, it, it is a, a being in a body of water, especially being a cancer Scorpio, like water for me is key in any stretch or another. Uh, I love that.
0: I am a big bath person Mm -hmm. too. Um, Thank you for sharing all of that. Our next question that we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you?
2: As soon as you said it, authenticity, being completely authentic to who you are, no matter what, um, that to me takes a, a sheer amount of courage in a world that asks you to be small and asks you to fit in. And if you can be your full authentic self as brazen or ridiculous as you can be, maybe you'll learn a lesson through it. That's great. <laughs> but, um, it's important to your growth and your, your mission here on earth to be fully and authentically you.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And then the
2: final question is,
1: do you have any books or a book recommendation that, um, have been meaningful to you or something that's, you know, it can be a resource. Doesn't actually have to be a book. I know you're an author, but. Anything that's just like meant something to you along your, throughout your life.
2: Yeah. Like I read so many books, (laughs) um, for our show, like we always often read a lot of books by other people. Um, I recently, uh, finished a book by Ainsley McLeod, uh, called the old souls guidebook. Um, and like, it's, to me, it's a great book and understanding of like what it looks like for us to connect with our spirit guides and what it looks like for us to connect to, Um, our past lives in other ways and look at our reincarnations so that way we can make the most of this one. And that to me was super resourceful and wonderful. Uh, Like besides just me interviewing him, his interviews coming up on my show pretty soon, but um, it was just a really wonderful resource to, to kind of reopen and look at that from another perspective.
0: Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. So, thank you for sharing that. And so, if anyone wants to work with you, find your podcast, find you online, tell us everywhere we can find you <laughs> and stalk you and work with you, please. <laughs>
2: Um, so you can go to the Um, you can go to instagram slash thelolia Twitter slash the and uh, to really work with me actually there's a lot we do monthly workshops in mystery school on my patreon which is patreon.com slash the so if you want to engage with me personally um you can also book card readings I do lots of card readings I did six already today <laughs> um to help with guidance and things like that but you can book those on my website if you would like to find my podcast you can go to spiritual shit. It's on all major platforms and look for my mug.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Aaliyah. Thanks again for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week.